0: Okay. Okay, we're back. This is Mo Faith, episode two.
1: Um,
0: and I was just telling Mo about this amazing movie I saw called RRR. It's three R's in a row. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. R-R something. Uh, <laughs> not, not, that R something. Drill that Right. R. Yeah. And it's like the best movie ever. It's like. It's got all the things you want, but it's one of those things where they said that um, Tom Cruise like helped save the movie industry with Top Gun Maverick and getting people back to uh, back to the back to audiences back to their seats and stuff from the pandemic. And I'm kind of wondering how much RRR did that globally because it's such a huge hit. Um, I think Netflix said it's like the top movie in 97 countries or something. Wow. No, it's literally one of the biggest bestsellers of all time type of movie. And most Americans I've talked to have never heard of it unless they're a super big movie nerd um, oh, or a okay. person who kind of watches international film and stuff like that. Like we're very uh, kind of insular here in America where we don't, like the, inter- the huge international hits don't really, we don't see them. Like not no, all the we time. Don't. Where it other was, people oh, are man. like, oh, blah, 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 this is the best movie.
1: Trying to use the internet in Europe was an eye-opening experience talking about international movies mm. like i never realized here in america with our freedom and all the wonderful things we can access on the internet how much we are actually geolocated and fenced in um information wise like a lot of people are, will never hear of some of those movies because their circle doesn't include anybody with an international interest yeah so all of their uh personalized ads and all of their cross device tracking and they're your friend of friend of friend isn't going to include anything awesome from outside of here and that's sad that's not no, a yeah.
0: free world it's, algo, it's an algo-driven world, right, especially if you spend a lot of time on social media versus, you know, spending time reading the news or engaging with content otherwise from social media. I think that to me is, like, the biggest downside for social media is the sense of, you know, I call it kind of building your own silos, right, where everybody right. is siloed in their own small communities. They may cross right. over here or there, but for the most part, they stick to what they know, and they, they live their small little life inside this small little silo. I've tried to kind of hack the algo by being in spaces for like 6 months at a time and then I drop out of that space and I bounce to oh. a new thing and I try not to be in a place for like years because people get used to me. <laughs> 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 They're like kind of to take me for granted, you know. I was telling my son like the only person who's ever thanked me for all the internet, you know, support I gave him was Jason Momoa. Oh, and yeah. I ran into him at the Aquaman premiere and he was like, What are you doing here? And I was like, How do you know who I am? And I was like, Well, it's true. I have been supporting you for 20 years. Chase. Like, (laughs) Does in the sense that he was one of the fe- really early biracial actors to come out that I was always keeping an eye on and how can I help, you know, people watch his show called North Shore that he was on a TV show years ago about surfers. Then he was on a show called Stargate Atlantis.
1: Wait, no, that one. I just started binge watching that one like two weeks ago. We're oh, in, so in the middle of like uh, season three now. Um, oh, yeah. And tell me I wasn't excited when he showed up. Wow oh, yeah. It changed the whole dynamic. he's so
0: good in it too like you really get like when you see him comments like you're gonna be somebody honey like you can really see it he had is there's something in his eyes and the way he presents himself to the world and you know later on i was able to give him like there would be people who wanted support for indigenous support and i'd connect them directly to him and He'd actually show up and like help people in Hawaii with the volcano situation and they're trying to get a big old mm-hmm. telescope to get kicked off of there because it's like a sacred site where all their folks are buried going back generations. So they're like, yo, like this is a really important mountain to us because it has literally human remains in it that we go and right, visit right. as part of like a burial site. So we'd prefer you not to put a whole bunch of scientific equipment up there and then be traveling over these graves all the time. You right. Know, those, I feel like it makes sense to me. Like, like, you know, but (laughs) I was really glad that like he's actually a person who who stands up for those folks and who's like wants to draw attention to that. But besides that, a lot of people have never noticed just because you know I'm on the internet and I share a whole bunch of content and you know it's like I I happen to be one of those people and I somebody had tested I was telling my son about it somebody had somebody I used to know thought that I had a lot of power on the internet. And they wanted to prove it to me without telling me so oh, they test. created yeah mm. yeah it was real fun they created a fake news story and sent me a story where Harrison Ford famously known as Han Solo and Indiana Jones uh, yes. was missing he had gone missing off the coast of France and was presumed dead what? and they sent this to me in 2009 And um, because Michael Jackson had just passed away, Farrah Fawcett had just passed away. And so I was Mm -hmm. kind of ruminating with this person, like, what do you, you know, do deaths like this always happen in three? Who's going to be the next death? So kind of as a joke, they sent me this article that they made without me knowing on a fake news website. Oh, man. And then I posted it to my Facebook. No, no, you didn't. You oh did. i did i did <laughs> i did and i asked on my facebook Does anybody know if this is real sorry i'm, I'm okay putting well, you, out. you ask?
1: no no that's good
0: i did i did i asked however me asking that led to two articles the next day announcing harrison ford's death
1: oh
0: and then subsequently his family responded that he's not dead he's here with us we're fine and then it became what's known as a celebrity folks And then from then on, there were celebrity death hoaxes where there weren't them. There were not celebrity death hoaxes before that happened. (laughs) And so this person was like, aren't you really excited, though? Like now, you know, 100 percent, like you have journalists that are on your blog, reading you, taking your content, putting it on the Internet, no matter what the fuck it is. Harrison Ford (laughs) is dead. They're going to share it. (laughs) (laughs) On the one
1: hand, yeah. But on the other hand.
0: I no, don't think we I, needed I to, to go apology.
1: through
0: all of that. I need. I have to apologize, Harrison Ford, obviously. Like, that was super insensitive. If anybody in his family thought that he had passed away, if there was some concern, you know, I know he's adopted and is a, a parent to Calista Flockhart, him and Calista Flockhart have a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I really felt terrible. Like, that kid might have had a moment of thinking that their dad wasn't around. And, like, I did that from a freaking internet post, right? Right. The only upside I can see is no, that
1: that's a there, was,
0: there was a real concern for him. And that concern seemed to remind the powers that be that he was a great person who should be in movies again. And so <laughs> within the next couple of years after that, after that post, you know, he was in the Star Wars movie again. He's coming back to life. He's doing Indiana Jones again, all this stuff is happening. And so I kind of wondered if I it might've helped a little bit. It might be wishful thinking, but.
1: <laughs> I mean, we I all it. have our roles to play.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, like, did I did I help? Potentially, yeah. you know, with maybe bringing you back to life and, and getting people to remember that he's this amazing actor. He's on a show now called 1923 with Helen Mirren. So good. Like, uh, he's 80 years old and, and best actor of all time, really? in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, about
1: 80. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't he's know, a he's,
0: real fit guy real he's fit. gonna be you, in
1: his I mean, 50s in my mind for another 20
0: years i know it's a thing they i guess they're doing some sort of thing with the new indiana jones or they're de-aging him for certain scenes or something and they're using old footage from old movies and inserting harrison ford from all these old movies into oh, wow. the new um the new indiana jones to show like back, what uh, you know flashbacks
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, well, we nice.
1: got such great technology for movies now.
0: Well, and I think a lot of people are kind of like it looks AI. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when you take real old footage and you bring it into a new movie, and then it might look really good because a flashback that looks like old footage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Might mm-hmm. really be an authentic look for us, you know. I, I think it's kind of a brilliant take. I think I think it's Spielberg who's directing it, so he, he usually comes up with something novel. Oh kid. man! But I, 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 I do feel,
1: directing you know, a Star Wars.
0: No, Indiana Jones. Oh okay. It's the seventh, I, like, Indiana, I, was... I think, or something. Sixth, Indy.
1: <laughs> for just I a minute, it's... I was in a whole different universe like we might have just had one of them quantum splits
0: (laughs) no i know it doesn't happen too often i was just reading an article somebody had put together um about some vintage footage that they had found of gene roddenberry the creator of star trek um doing an appearance with george lucas um in 1986 and i guess it's the only time they ever have were seen together or ever did a panel together that they invited the guy from Star Trek to help celebrate George Lucas at the 10th anniversary of the Star Wars movie coming out um and that created something called Star Wars Celebration which is now a long-lasting tradition that every year there's a big Star Wars Celebration traditionally usually in Anaheim where they have a big conference and celebration of Star Wars but I I didn't know until I saw this article that Gene Roddenberry had ever done anything Because Star Trek people and Star Wars people are usually pretty separate.
1: Oh, no, I'm one of the mixed bloods.
0: Yeah, I think there's Uh, more of us who are our age who are like next generation kids.
1: I was raised on Next Generation and I love Next Generation, but when you need uh, less positivity and more reality and less spun for home and more spun for the real world, you gotta go with the grittier Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I like all the Star Treks. So I, I definitely recommend people watch uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise. I nobody really saw Enterprise but me, maybe, but no, it was I good. I got you. I got you. <laughs> you guys I had to watch it. It was good, but a lot of people didn't watch it. Um, and then now there's this new there's a new sets of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and uh, the Picard show. Have you seen the prepared okay, I haven't show? heard
1: the last two. I haven't watched the last two yet. I've watched a little bit of Discovery. And right now I'm playing Fleet Command. Um, mm. And oh, I can't remember. There's a second one. that's like it's um, for the phone. I don't know how the hell people play Fleet Command on their phone. Uh, that one really is better on the computer.
0: Just saying. Yeah, the the Star Trek, a lot of the games are, you know, one of the bigger ways. My son had been watching the, um, I guess there's animated Star Trek shows. Yes, there is. Something called Lower Decks and Star Trek Prodigy or something, maybe.
1: That sounds right. I haven't watched either of those.
0: I don't do a ton of animation anymore, so um, something about having a kid and just, just like, stop (laughs) it. Get it out of my face. I never want to see it again. (laughs) he can get me to watch some stuff, like, people watch like you know he tried to get me to watch clone wars and i just couldn't do it it's just like i was uh-huh. falling asleep I, I don't know what it is about animation it just makes me conk out like i don't know some sort of mom gene of like oh, you know. Just, this is your time to nap like you know that's
1: um, just kind of the effect movies have on me these
0: days yeah, I usually watch a lot of times uh-huh. while I'm doing something else, like washing the dishes, cooking a meal, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. playing a game. I, these days, I don't do a lot of solo operation, you know, unless it's like conversation like this uh-huh, or we're talking or uh-huh. whatever. But otherwise, I find it really boring to just sit there and watch a show and just be like, what's happening on screen? Like, I, I can't really do that. I have to read a news article, play a game. <laughs> Some, some kind of two-track scenarios, how I kind of put it. It's just more interesting to me to be loosely, you know, except for that RRR movie. I have to say I was pretty, like, phones down for that. <laughs> like, what's going to happen next? How many tigers can there be in a movie? Like, you know, <laughs> questions I had not asked myself ever, really. Um, so I had to oh. kind of, I didn't know what to expect. Even the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, I missed things. But you've already watched um, it twice. <laughs> That's funny.
1: All right. All right. I'll watch it. Okay. Yeah, no,
0: I don't. I, it's really rare. There's probably like four movies in the whole history of me watching films that I've ever watched again right away. But yeah. it was so good. Like The other one I watched right away was called Interstellar.
1: Ah, with uh, Bullock?
0: Yeah, McConaughey. Mm hmm yep my mr. Matthew McConaughey, I think he's a really great guy I like that guy um, oh, but uh but I, yeah, I, I, like I really his sh- it. yeah no I, I read his book if you haven't had a chance it's a really good audiobook I've heard and a good it's a really good just it's not like many books I've ever read before um it's it's uh, almost like a journal kind of thing. put a lot of his journal articles together with his own stories of like here's when i went out into the rainforest and i'm swimming in the amazon and i learned this big thing you know yeah yeah but it's really positive he's like a super super positive person who has made a brand out of being really positive and like just keep living all right all right all right you know and yes. i thought that the interstellar movie did a really good job of leveraging that awareness of the brand of him into a story mm-hmm. about humanity um and I, I always recommend it to people i also tell people that if you wanted to know how my brain looks on the inside it looks like that's that place that he goes to with his daughter with this huge library of threads oh, yeah. Uh huh. like that's a lot like how my head is is it's a, it's like millions of rooms with millions of books mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm,
0: and then mm-hmm. it's like you know kind of like a memory palace is how i talk about about it when you are living oh, with yeah mine's oh, can't I... forget things. <laughs> it's
1: so funny i always talked about mine i uh, i could never do the palace uh i've always been so office oriented uh, mine is a di- like a giant ass data warehouse, and I got a little dude that runs to the file cabinets, and it works kind of on a Dewey Decimal system, but for okay. files. Okay. Nice, uh,
0: nice, nice, nice. No. Have you seen Warehouse 13?
1: No, I haven't. Is it a series or a movie?
0: It's a series on sci-fi. It's not around anymore, okay. but it was around for like five or six years, and. Uh, It's basically this idea that, like, all the famous artifacts that are mystical and magical in the world are being secretly held together by, like, a governmental agency that has these warehouses all over the world. And then they have these agents that go out into the world to get these mysterious artifacts that are causing problems for regular humans, and they bring them back to the warehouse. And then they have this huge warehouse with this huge collection of esoteric and strange items like HG Wells' Time Machine, for instance, that type of stuff. Nice, Thanks. Nice. It's a very, it's a camping. So it I campy.
1: wonder if it was competing with the Librarian then?
0: It was. It was in a similar time frame, similar time zone, but um, Librarian mm-hmm. was with USA Networks, I think, um, and this one was sci fi, but the librarians oh, yeah. is a little bit more action adventure. Like, we're going to take the book people out into the world and they're going to use their book knowledge to solve mysteries and adventures or something, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: then Warehouse 13 is kind of like, we have all this stuff and we accidentally set off, you know, <laughs> Genghis Khan's again. You know? <laughs> like, like, it was a little, it was a little. It was a little campy.
1: (laughs) Like, I was dusting and oops.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very much like that. Like, every week was was... some sort of accidental incursion with, you know, know, now we have to go figure out, you know, Harry Houdini's lockbox has come back to life or something like that. So,
1: it it felt like there was a limited
0: time span on it, you know what I mean? mean, How many accidents do you really have? That type of thing, you know? um but it was this huge warehouse that had to be categorized and had a, a computer ai system that managed every location of oh, of the warehouse so it just kind of made me think of that when you said you know little guy running around inside you know going here going there disseminating information you know i do yeah
1: i tried oh like i i did okay um Having the good memory on its own is useful, but learning tips and trades to make it more uh, resilient and efficient are things that, like, I enjoy doing. So Mm -hmm. I I tried doing the Memory Palace, and it turns out that doesn't work for me because my file system is way more efficient
0: for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that the concept of Memory Palace is often misrepresented to people who don't have strong memories they're kind of given an idea that if they build a house inside their head and they put place things there they'll be able to go back to this house and find the things that are there and be able to make connections between these things in a context that they don't have to carry around every day they can just go to this memory palace but to me i really do think the memory palace that's described by sherlock holmes is a representative of a person who has extremely strong memory, probably hyperthymesia, probably highly superior autobiographical memory. So I don't uh-huh. think that normals, um, as I usually identify people who don't have the memory I have, uh-huh. I don't think that they can build memory palaces that are like that. And I think that most uh-huh. people who have hyperthymestic tendencies uh-huh. are build build their own style uh, uh-huh. of memory palace. And Sherlock Holmes with his little palace and you go into a physical location in a room and you see these things, that mm-hmm. was that hyperthymes version of that. Right. But so many of the people I've met who have hyperthymistic experience of a person who can't forget stuff, mm-hmm. they have their own specific, very unique, highly internally designed way of, of cataloging and managing memory that they yeah. don't share with other <laughs> oh i'll sense...
1: share it i don't mind like i don't know no, if other people can do it
0: you know other people do not have that same thing oh
1: yeah yeah even no. if
0: they have a strong memory no, and no. some people have shown me there were some some people who are drawing how they see memory and it was like circular or almost like a disc mm, and mm-hmm. everything is quadrated and i was like it's almost like a trivial pursuit pie you know Oh yeah. <laughs> like, and i was like oh wow because i hadn't really thought of memory within that type of um, two-dimensional, if that makes sense. Uh Uh To me, memory is all like I see what happened in my head so everything is just like a movie kind of replaying on a screen. Uh Uh And then I just kind of find where it is in the the screen where I have to go back to, right? If somebody said like Uh 1997 then I would probably pick like you know, some, some space and in, in physical space time, right? Like mm-hmm. you and I took, we took the bus to school or back from school, right? More often, uh-huh. I think I saw you on the bus home versus mm-hmm. the bus school, mm-hmm. right? Because like, yeah, I used I, to get a ride a lot in the mornings, but I didn't have I a ride. I was on it nothing. every morning,
1: but I always sat right behind the bus driver every morning. Um. Which ended up being a good thing, because I passed out on the bus one day, endometriosis. Oh, no. And, like, if I had been back further, she wouldn't have noticed. But she and I were talking, and I passed out in the middle of talking while she was at stoplight. So, yeah, no, we were afternoon conversations, because that was my typical morning, was talking to the bus driver.
0: We were afternoons, and and that was in part because Heather Curtis, who's also a senior with us, who's now some sort of vice president, I think, at Free V, the TV channel. She's in television. Good job, job, Heather. And she was always a nice girl. thumbs up. Always a nice girl. One of the nicest white ladies, I I think, at San Luis Obispo. Give her that knowledge. Uh, real, Real sweet lady. Um, and so she, she had said to me, I live near you in the mornings, and I can take you in the mornings. I can't take you in the afternoons, but she would give me a ride in the mornings because she said it was like a, a death sentence for the senior class to have anybody who's on the bus. Like, all of us drive. There should be nobody on the bus. And I told them I was certain there were other seniors that were on the bus, but they were very much like, well, we don't know them. <laughs>
1: I was so very
0: much like that, you know.
1: I did I did get rescued. Um was it? Uh I mean, I don't know about hanging out with throwing out people's full names. I don't know what everybody's doing. But a girl named Rachel had a Vovo and she hooked me the hell up with rides when she found out I was a senior on the bus. Um she was I was kind of in her direction i wasn't really in her direction i think she was really just being
0: kind i think they had a thing it was a conversation i believe at the at the higher there's some sort of senior council or some sort of senior situation of people who talk to each other and manage the senior class or be aware of that type of thing i i never really was that deep into like the most popular kids in San Luis Obispo High School. It was really kind of a structured system of like, here's the homecoming queen, the homecoming king. And those people have always been the most popular kids since we were five Mm -hmm. years old, right? Right, It's It's a very, nothing changes in San Luis Obispo type of situation. So I wasn't one of those kids. Um, And usually would only kind of, oh, you know, like you see me walking, you see me riding my bike, you see me on the bus, you know, I guess I get a ride, you know? And it probably was also because I was one of like three black students in the whole school that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuck out as far as, maybe there were like six black kids by the time I graduated. But it was, you know, out of like, you know, a thousand I, kids.
1: I understand now as an adult what that um, perspective could be like i don't understand what it is like like i won't claim that but i have the ability now to really like put myself there um and in part it's because of the traveling in europe and being in a different language um it's been able to give me a perspective where i am definitely an outsider in this position or this place um being a teenager living through that is Gotta be confusing as
0: fuck, man. Oh, you know, I think for me, I was like a, I was totally fucked from the beginning just because, you know, my mother had married a white guy and he was a bit of a person who had strange ideas in general and was fairly racist, you know, used the N word. If you got mad at me, you know, all kinds of stuff that we dealt with, with racial abuse. Um, And, and so I was going into space with black folks who knew that I had this really, you know, difficult stepfather who was a white person. Um, and th- that probably led me to be, you know, a little bit harsher at times with white people um, uh, when I was uh, in high school in the sense of, you know, not taking any shit from anybody. Um, you know, I, I, my son asked me, he's like, what's one of the worst things you ever done? And, and I had to tell him that there was a kid who bullied me for a long time in high school he bullied me in element, you know, junior high, high school. He was just like one of the people who felt like that was his job was to bully me and, you know, snap my bra and call me names and push me in the hallways and that type of stuff. And I concocted a plan because uh, we were in a class together that was doing um, kind of an end, in the, uh, end of year party that was focused on a historical time period. Uh-huh, so I convinced uh-huh. a mutual friend of ours to um uh, make his item a food item, and it was going to oh, be blood, okay. blood pudding—a real historic. You know, here's what blood pudding looked like back in the day. It was going to be in a real big bowl, and oh. you know, I did not tell the mutual friend that, oh, like, right. the whole goal is that we're going to eventually have a bowl someplace I can pick it up and pour it over my bully. <laughs> and I did that because I'm a bitch. <laughs> so oh, like, oh. No, I'm As I say sometimes, I forget nothing and forgive even less. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, yeah. um, And and, and that's in part because when you remember everything, you remember each of those instances bullying, and it's like really hard to let it go, right? And for me, fighting back was, you know, having this kid Mm -hmm. sopping wet with, you know, red sauce (laughs) dripping into every orifice of his body, covering his backpack. And I ended up getting in big trouble. You know, I, I, I had to pay for all of his lost items and had to pay for his clothes, had to pay for his books. And oh. so I ended up just handing him a check and it was like, it was still worth it. <laughs> like, just in the sense of like, you know, I don't I don't know. I tell people like, if you've been bullied like that a, hard, a long time, mm-hmm. you know, having that one moment of getting back at that kid... It, it feels like it, it makes you feel like your life can be something someday, like you, you can succeed because, you know, he didn't I, get it. Didn't.
1: Like, okay, revenge isn't like, like let's let's put the little warning disclaimer out there, Mo Faith is not supporting revenge. However, we understand when it happens.
0: I'm just saying. Because we've had our saying. moments. <laughs> had our mo- I've had the moment and I, I really don't do it too often um it's 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 more of like it it just depends on where you know like one time i was at the white house with a person who's very difficult who deeply dislikes being publicly and privately and and um they had done a huge thing for we we had collectively worked on a big brief a bisexual policy brief right so we wanted to give to the white house basically eight different white papers on various issues dealing with bi people's mental health, sexual Uh assaults, HIV, Uh everything that's super important, poverty, homelessness, all this stuff, Uh right? Uh Uh And we worked on it for months before we go into this meeting, and we had this one person who deeply dislikes me, who I won't name, but they dislike me a lot, Um, and they said, I have to be the one to print this. And we're like, what do you mean you have to be the one to print this? We're all going to be there. We can all just bring, like, some copies with us. No, no, no. Me and my company, we're going to print it. You know, it's going to be great. So they say, we'll print it. We're going to do it for free. Go, okay. Oh. okay. Okay, fine. You're going to yeah. do like, cause policy briefs are like 50, to hundred pages. Right. And they're going to, they're yeah. going to print like a hundred copies for the meeting. So that's like a good amount of money. So I'm like, okay, cool. Right. Then it, the a couple of days before the meeting, they get to me and go, actually my boss won't let me do it for free. We need you to send us $200 or something. I'm like for the paper. I'm like, Fine. So I send them money after the whole, like, we all said we could contribute. We, none of us have to spend money on this by ourselves. We can all contribute together, but no, no, no. Okay. Send them money. They come to the media at the White House. They get there and they come right up to me. And they go, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, would you forget the papers? You leave them at home? And they're like, no, I have the papers, but there was an accident at the printer. So they oh, show me, they, they have this huge bag of all the briefs. And they show me that the brief inside of uh, all of the, it basically got printed as a draft. So all the comments and all the strike throughs, all of that's there. Wow. And it looks terrible. It looks really bad. And I'm like, I'm not taking this in there. Like, I'm not giving this to a White House official. Like, it's better we go in with nothing. Like, we... (laughs) I'd rather tell him the dog ate it. I'm like, we could just go in with our lived experience and have some bullshit about it. It was real hard for us, right? <laughs> and we'd we'll be doing better than this piece of paper. Right, right. And the person who just deeply dislikes me, they're just like, no, no, we have to, Faith. You cannot get rid of this. Our organization paid for it. My boss, da, da, da. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Let me have the bag. I will take it from here. We got to get ready for this meeting. We got to get ready, right? So we got to get all the people into the White House. That's a whole thing of you got to get people checked. They've got to, they have passports, blah, blah, blah. They got to go through a security thing or dog sniffs them, make sure they don't have drugs, like, you know, so we have all that stuff to do. So by the time we get into the White House, I had had enough time to take that large bag of briefs and sneak around to the South Court of the White House, where I knew there to be a dumpster and dump (laughs) those briefs in that dumpster and then return to the meeting without those briefs. And then when, (laughs) (laughs) when the briefs were requested, I had to say, they're not in the building. They're not. And the person who deeply dislikes me was like, what do you mean they're not in the building? And I was like, they're just not here anymore. Like, where did they go? And I'm like, all I can tell you is they're not in the building. <laughs> I just, I pulled like the White House, like all I can say, like all I'm allowed to tell you, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm one of those people that like, I don't want other people to be embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed for me personally, oh, but if man. I had brought like a whole bunch of folks and it helped organize a space for a whole bunch of people to stand up and share their truth, I'm not going to embarrass you while you do that. We ain't going to come up there looking filthy. I don't know. That that might just be a Black, you know, me, Faith, I'm not sure. But my lived experience says that that's not something you want to do.
1: <laughs> I right. mean, I don't particularly think it's a good idea to just throw people under the bus. So I tend to give them a hand out of the way.
0: Just, it just I just couldn't. I mean, and I'm sure that person was really like, listen, I think the briefs are fine, but... I knew from a professional pers- perspective of being in rooms and being in offices that if you were to give somebody that, they would very much look at you as not being prepared. Yeah. Right? You're not prepared. You're not professional. You didn't come with the right things. And I I told the person, I was like, we can email all these folks that we meet. We can email them the briefs. you know. And I found out later that this person who doesn't like me. Ended up setting up their own meetings with the policy people and bringing their own briefs, which were appropriately printed. Okay. You know, to future meetings. And I was like, that's exactly fine. Like, I'm totally okay with that. But if I'm someplace helping to lead something, we are not going to be out here looking dirty. <laughs> I'd rather we don't have, we don't, you know, what I'm saying we don't have the clothing, we don't have the look and feel. Okay, that's cool. We can just show up, just ourselves. Right, okay. you, we're all you need. You don't need a more than us, you know.
1: Right, but we're gonna have to live by some kind of standards.
0: I just the, the, I mean, I mean, it's like a hundred pages, and each one of them you could barely read because it was all the things were strike through. Like there's all these comments. There's people with emojis and this shit. Like I'm not fucking handing this to the Department of Education. I'm not giving this to HHS. Like. <laughs> like, we're in the government, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like,
1: I mean, what is that? <laughs> just, but look, if you so turn funny. that in and you don't get a grade back, we
0: know the government's failing us. I'm just saying. I was like, I already know, like they would understand what happened, and it's not like the BI community has some sort of like reputation for being like 100 organized or something, right? <laughs> so I I got it, but I, I just was like, let's just not make us look worse. You know, and I I understood that the person who who disliked me already was going to dislike me even more after that, Um, but it felt like it was worth it in the sense that there are all these other people who were there, including a whole bunch of elders, people who helped start the LGBT movement were there, and that those folks deserve to be seen in the best light right Mm -hmm. to be to have their sacrifices and their stories be heard in an open with an open heart and i just felt like how's that going to happen when you're looking at some crap that you know a very young activist put together not understanding how to do it up uh, uh, correctly you know mm-hmm. and i mean it's just basically they printed the they printed a google a google drive document with the strikethroughs turned on
1: yeah
0: and then they sent it to a printer who professionally printed it somehow that printer didn't push back on that i don't know how that happened but you know it's just one of those things where you and then they i still had to pay for these for this for the whole thing so <laughs> i still had to give them some hundred dollars
1: i just want to point out that since you did have to pay for it it was your right to put it in the trash
0: i i that's how i felt as well mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I also to actually wrote like a whole bunch of those drafts, right? Like, and edited almost every single one of them. So I really felt confident. Um, but I also kind of knew, I also kind of understood, and knew that the person who I was who disliked me was much younger than me, like ten years younger than me, had less experience going into spaces like this and knowing what will what you can do to make sure you're never invited back again. Right.
1: Right. But A lot
0: of people don't know that that's a process. They think, oh, well, I'll just come back again. It's like, no, you had a chance to prove your metal, to prove your worth, to prove that you should be yeah. invited back to the table. You did, in no way did anything to do that. And if you right. want to be engaged in national politics, if you want to be engaged in changing things at a, at a really high level, you have to be able to contribute.
1: Right, right. And you need to know what is and is not professional. Yeah,
0: or and how we can manage that, right? Again, like, be, we're going to email you guys the briefs after this meeting, right? Because we wow. had a whole bunch of the, the content in, in our PowerPoints. So mm-hmm. we had a presentation, and then we had a, a physical brief to go along with that. Mm-hmm. And to me, basically, I kind of learned that that was a bit of a overreach, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our actual ability was not matching what we, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, we didn't have the capacity to 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 develop a brief set and hand that to you know government officials and then also knowing how i know the government now that would have been a waste of time too right it's just going to go in their trash can versus ours you know right like they're not going to keep it somewhere place in a drawer and then pull it out next time they need to think about lgbt stuff
1: right Right.
0: like it's it's you have to really be thoughtful about what's really going to make an impact here. You know, but people are trying, they're trying to basically tell people that, hey, bi people have really high levels of social and physical disparities, higher rates of cancer, bi women have higher rates of cancer than lesbian women for certain cancers, bi men have higher rates of anal cancer than gay men or straight men. Wow. You know, that there are very specific disparities that bi people have more experience with And then, unfortunately, bi people's disparities drive LGBT health, while at the same time, LGBT organizations and LGBT centers refuse service to bisexuals. Do they really? That's fucked up. Um, All the time, all the time. Even I, you, I, I, Faith Chauhan, I can't get served. I call LA. It could be because I'm a conservative, so I will have to factor that in.
1: But part but of the reason why me- I'm a
0: conservative is I'm sick of going places and being turned away, like <laughs> you know. And I was sick of stories, you know, sick of all these. I had these buy guys. Oh man, these poor buy guys. They couldn't get prep. A whole bunch of them. I'm talking like dozens across the United States were telling me, I can't get prep. I'm trying to get on prep. And and prep for those people who don't know is is a drug that you can take once a day, or sometimes once a week, or even they have some now that are once a quarter. And it's a drug that helps prevent you from getting HIV, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take this, you will not get HIV. You can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have sex with people who possibly have HIV and not get it if you're on this drug. But bi men are and bi women are not allowed to get the drug, not at the same levels, not at the same rates, because there's no research about bi people who sleep with straight people. So we don't know how PrEP will affect straight people partners. And Uh so there was a a strong hesitancy to give PrEP to a bi man or a bi woman or a bi person who's non-binary because we don't know how that will impact their partner. Will their partner get sick? Because there's been no data about different sex partners who use PrEP. That all the data about PrEP was only not and also none about lesbians or bi women who might have a male partner and want to use PrEP. Oh,
1: I'm running out of battery.
0: Oh, no. You got a battery thing?
1: No, I don't. I'm in the car.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I don't.
0: <sighs> well, that's okay. Well, we can probably close it down in a few minutes. How much yeah, time do you have?
1: Until the, the screen goes away? Fair enough. Uh, it's, this is a janky this this computer saved my life and actually let me let me give a shout out right now to the reason why i have this computer brahma sin is a man who helped uh Zims when i was working on the game at the beginning of covid um yeah, we were yeah. doing some hackathons and i uh, jen and i reached a point where all of our computers had died and we couldn't continue on with the hackathons uh and if it wasn't for brahma and um Rachel, uh, I can see her last name, but I can't get it off my tongue. Um, Rachel is, uh, both of them were doing mentoring with us. She's a a doctor and does, uh, into, into, uh, viruses. she deals with viruses. Oh my God. No, the word just got stuck on my tongue. Um,
0: oh epidemiology
1: epidemiologist thank you god oh man there's your language word for the day for moafin sponsorship here epidemiologist knows a lot of good stuff about viruses and fighting viruses and uh the two of them were very instrumental in helping with at the like if it wasn't for brahma we wouldn't have the computer at all um Man, someday, not this episode, because the computer is dying, but we'll have to talk about like one of our our projects that we're most proud of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was amazing. Uh, Brahma hooked us up with a computer. We were able to finish the open world builder on Flow. um, And I submitted the Kitty Vortex for the Zim's game. And we got the first layout of, of how to do a bridge. And we wouldn't have been able to finish the builder if the computer hadn't arrived.
0: Shout out. So, Brahma,
1: much love me. And
0: what's that website for the Zeebs game, by the way? What's the name oh, of the website? Yeah. Zeebs.org. Shameless plug. Uh,
1: actually, it's X Y Z. Oh, okay. Everything you need to know about Zeebs. XYZ.
0: Z Z-E-E-M-S? Z- e-
1: e- e- M-Z dot xyz say that one more time z e e m z dot xyz
0: awesome 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 you can go in there and create a zemes and send them on adventures and learn Um, new new skills
1: coming soon
0: we're coming soon
1: we're coming soon right now you can sign up for our mailing list and get information
0: cool 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 one of the coolest kids i ever did help go to the white house was named zine
1: really that's me
0: (laughs) i believe they're a a trans child um and and i should say a trans young person because they're they're an adult um but they uh we're trans, a trans teen who's an adult, and do black LGBT work, and I believe they've they go by a different name now. But for some for a while, they were a Zim and maybe in some other places, there's still zine. So it's it's a sometime a word I've seen a couple times for black folks, um, either Z E A M or Z E E M. Okay, I think it's probably because uh, Kazim. Hazeem. There's like uh-huh. a whole bunch of Muslim names that in Wazim, mm-hmm. and then a lot mm-hmm. of bunch of people usually use that as a nickname instead of using their full name, you call them right, Z-O-M.
1: right, right.
0: So, I, I that's my guess, I could be completely wrong, but I think a uh, Zim's game is it sounds good, and I thought I was one of the only people to ever use XYZ domain, so I always oh, like to yeah. see that. Yeah. Uh, It's easy to get to.
1: It's easy to get to. Um, I liked it way better than Info because it ended with a Z. And this Mm -hmm. is the Zim's game. Uh, And so, you know, (laughs) going with it. It's everything you need to know. X, Y, Z, right?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely, I think more people should use other um, domain extensions because the .com is, is really, really, you know, saturated and, you know, if you have an XYZ domain, it, it automatically will increase your SEO just a little bit more than if you were to do that same uh, document on a .com. Just okay. because there's probably, like, not, there's just not that many .xyz domain websites. Oh, uh-huh. um, so it, it can give people a boost, I think, in SEO and marketing to use a non-traditional domain ending, like .tv or .info. .info, I feel, is used a lot for spam stuff, so that's kind of why I would mm-hmm. never recommend .info, because I see a lot of kind of bot-based stuff, right, you know? Right, yeah. You know, it's like, here's info, here's more info, and it's all, you go to the article and it's all a listicle pulled from someplace else. It's got 15 ads in it, and the whole thing is just an ad generator for, you know.
1: The, the buy it now uh, funnel with the oh, three yeah. YouTube videos and the the free purchase uh, that cost you 20 bucks.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I see a lot on Facebook where they, they're always trying to sell something, some crap, and you know, they, oh, you go over here and get it for half off today. And you go there and it's always half off. It's been half off since they started selling it, you know. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and that's because it's worth nothing. If you get it, it's a piece of crap. <laughs> like,
1: You're not getting what you thought you were
0: getting. I would love to see a, 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 a some sort of agency that goes after internet sell, sell like sales on the internet that are facetious, that are wrong, that are <sighs> just. Just because there's people making a lot of money selling stuff, and it's illegal. Yeah. And they're not they're right. not doing it legally. They're outside of the traditional norms, and they're able to get away with it because they're using social media. They're using digital stuff. They're not having anything to do with mm-hmm. traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of been something I've been thinking about. I had a real bad experience with something called Sudshare. Sudshare. It's like a I laundry that- service that is nationally known but it has extremely bad ratings that once i dug into it i saw it's got an f on trust it's got an f on bbb it's got all these people who hate it because people they're basically they see themselves as a middleman where they'll connect a person who needs laundry services with a person who can do the laundry but they don't make sure that the person who does laundry returns the clothes or does the job correctly. And so I am like super, super sensitive to, to smells. And I had some laundry that I, I had taken out by a lady and she brought it back and all the clothes smelled like cigarette smoke. Oh. That's like not every work. single time. like my kids started sneezing as soon as they came into the house, you know? Like oh, I had to get man. rid of I had to get rid of the laundry bags that held the clothes because you know, I literally had to take the clothes and get another person to launder them, you know, I would love to be able to do my own laundry, but it, it tends to trigger a lot of memories of like, oh, remember when you're wearing this piece of clothing for this day? So I really like it, <laughs> it gets done more effectively if I give it to somebody. To do it. Uh, 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 uh. But I when I looked into it, I was like, how can I you know, get a, some accountability from this company? But because it's an Internet based company, there's actually no physical location for their offices. Uh-huh, there was. Uh-huh. They're based in another state, so there's really not a lot I could do as far as complaining from California about this com- company that's based in Maryland. You uh-huh. know, I did file a complaint with Maryland. The they have an attorney general that will you know look at these type of claims, and so I wanted them to know, like, hey, like, there's thousands of people who have lost their clothing or had their clothing ruined by one company, uh-huh. but they're entirely internet based. Like nothing, it's like, you you know, there's almost nothing that I can do or any consumer can do because they have no brick and mortar. There's no corporate uh, organization. There's no team that you can speak with. Right. Um, and so it makes me wonder how many companies are operating like that now with very low, um, you know, institution very little support uh, very little customer service and then they're just kind of dealing with the fact that customers aren't happy by not dealing with it and they close down they started up again Uh, it seems like it may be coming to an issue with america not just with like clothing but with lots of different stuff like makeup sellers or skincare stuff or Uh anything you see on a facebook ad
1: facebook ads are just dangerous places in general
0: um yeah i mean selling stuff that's not working like this cream if you put it on your face all of the impurities will be instantly drawn out like that type of stuff and then you go and like you look on the comments and people go it doesn't work it doesn't work it doesn't work how many of
1: those before it's shut down Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a thing, Mm -hmm. because
0: it's like a system that can keep on perpetuating these products without any consumer protection, basically, because it's internet-based product um, marketing. It's direct
1: to your home. There isn't a point of verification or...
0: It's like a new snake oil type of thing.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Interesting.
0: Like, I'm very concerned for people because I think that there's a lot of people losing money on the Internet purchasing things and products that are not um, – that don't work. They don't do what they think they'll do it, like especially like TikTok things that are being sold, like buy this and it'll fix this issue, that type of stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm uh-huh. like, is that actually doing it or are people kind of in a loop of that parasocial thing that we were talking about last episode of I'm going to get this product and I will have the life – of a person who I saw using this product in the video.
1: Right. In which case hate to burst your bubble, but emulation is not um, just a matter of purchasing a product. There is a lot more that goes into being whomever that person on TikTok is than what you can see in that.
0: No, I, it's very interesting to me. I mean, I, I must believe it has to do with the fact that, in some way, I feel like the normals and the people who have less memory are recognizing this this deficit, and that uh-huh. TikTok and these social mediums are allowing them to act as if they have more to their memory than they really do. Uh-huh. So by uh-huh. engaging in these these systems, it allows them to kind of tie their selves to something that's real. And they go, okay, I get on TikTok, I follow the people I like, I'm engaged. And to a certain extent, that means to me that they're also engaging with memory. Like Uh they're going, I remember this TikTok person, I want to see them again. And they're Uh tying their ability to have memory to social media stars and social media experience.
1: Uh And
0: I wonder for people who don't remember everything, but now are like, oh, I remember this, I remember that, are they actually increasing their memory capacity via social media? That's interesting.
1: Okay, so there's a, the, the recent Sherlock movie, uh, shows with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. There's a scene in there where he doesn't know about the science of astrology, um, astronomy, I mean, and he's like, I don't, it doesn't matter that the earth goes around the sun. Why, why do you? and Watson's like, yo, I, I know that though, and you don't know that. Like, I wonder what what they don't know now, what we as a society don't know now, because we are, well, we're sharing culture in a way that we have never shared culture before, actually. Mm-hmm. And we are we are voyeurs in other cultures of our choosing. Like, we have the ability, each of us, to choose what of those cultures that we have access to that we're gonna watch. So um, for instance, I have a niece that loves anime and she plans on going to Japan one day uh, and she's gonna climb Mount Fuji. And I really fully support her in this. Uh, I think that kind of adventure would be fantastic. Simultaneously, I also recognize that she is got a focus on a foreign culture and not mm. an interest in her own culture. Oh, and I yeah. don't know, like, how, with just that as a small example, what is that doing to us on a larger scale? Is it opening our minds more?
0: hmm Yeah, I, I think it's a question, of especially when you factor in kind of the racial awareness that's happening for a lot of people in various countries where they're going they're asking questions about their ancestry they're asking questions about the the status of themselves within an empire within a colonization Mm -hmm. framework Mm -hmm. and then going from there potentially going i don't want to be that person right i want to be somebody else Mm
1: -hmm. i want
0: to engage in other culture because my culture is a colonizing culture my culture is this you know this thing and that thing. And I do think that that's also really representative of people who haven't been in touch with their culture. So like mm-hmm. folks who are Italian, I don't see that with as much because mm-hmm. Italian culture is still super strong in the it's United strong. States, yeah. right? Like they've mm-hmm. got Italian stores, they've got Italian shows, they've got Italian American concepts that they are like, my mom cooks the spaghetti this way, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and if you don't have that type of cultural touchstone and cultural uh affinity you know you're kind of figuring out well i'll create my own you know i'm Uh super into this i'm super into that blah 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 Uh and it's a big question about how how do those other cultures feel about those folks you know engaging with you know manga and anime um and then coming over to japan and wanting to be there because that's happened a lot with them i'm sure (laughs) pretty sure they have some feelings about that at this point You know, but, but a lot of the folks who I've known who've gone over there to, like, teach English or, like, love to spend time with Japanese culture, mm-hmm. I feel like have had a lot of good experiences because Japanese culture is, like, welcoming to people who respect them and people mm-hmm. who celebrate them and people who love this culture like they do uh-huh. will have a good, positive experience. Right. You know, right. That's something that Japan is, has built up over the last 20, 30 years of, like, we want you to come, we want you to spend your money here and you know respect us and we'll respect you where you don't necessarily feel that way like about france for instance right like you know americans in france will get some shit if they start being american right <laughs> they're not going to be like come come please 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 you know like, I, I haven't heard anybody in france or any of the european countries begging for americans to come or super excited you're here whereas in right. japan i do there's a welcoming of americans a welcoming of other cultures Uh Um, and maybe it's because it's an island right and they've got to have people come to spend money otherwise you know they don't have the same ability to to trade
1: i don't know i think it goes much deeper than that though and i say that maybe from a place of bias uh in 2011 I stumbled upon a letter from the Heart Contest, uh, which was run from a school in Japan, um, and the the theme was Arigato, which is mm-hmm. thankfulness, uh, and the there had been. Uh, a farmer who had gone to war and he had left a note on a wall for his family that was just a couple of little lines. And their challenge was for people to take the theme of thankfulness and this knowledge of what he had written for his family, which was just three lines. And it was like less than 25 words, basically like, don't forget to take the cows out. Don't forget to do this and love your people kind of thing. It was like- Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, you know, reminder from dad while he's gone. Uh, But that was from, I want to say, like, maybe the 13 or 1400s that this had happened. And so by the time I'm writing this, it's 2011. It's shortly after the Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster. And um, they're still in the middle of doing a contest for thankfulness. Like... that says a lot to me about the culture and the people like we have something really heavy happening right now and it's disturbed a good significant portion of our population but we're still going to do this contest and we're still going to celebrate what we're thankful for like
0: yeah i think that's i think that's a a, a resiliency You know, which I also do think might come from the island aspect as well of being a fairly large island, but still being isolated, being self-sustaining, having to deal with stuff. I did a deep dive into it a little bit ago when I was taking a class at UCLA called Asian Horror Films. Oh, we'll have to pause at this point because Mo's computer has died. So this will be the end of episode two of Mo Faith, and we will bring it back next time.